You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is a combination of standing in two worlds with Dr. Sam Juni from Yerushalayim Yerakadosh, and some of my best friends are Kabbalists, with my good friend from Ashkelon in Eretz Yisrael, Rav Nassim Notaglik, Kabbalist extraordinaire. Why are we mixing these two together? Why do we have here, are we talking about Kabbalah? Are we talking about psychology? Are we talking about, right? Well, in a way, we're talking about both. Um, because uh, Dr. Juni uh, suggested that we have a program uh, that is going to highlight, maybe try to flesh out and understand the controversy that is surrounding uh, a sort of a neo-Kabbalistic figure, a Hasidic figure, uh, Rav Yoel Roth, who is a Rosh Hashiva in uh, Williamsburg. I forgot what the name of the yeshiva is. I know it's a Breslover yeshiva, Teferis Torah or something like that. But not because of his um, role as Rosh Hashiva, but rather because of what he in his role for Shashiva and Rebbe and media uh, guru, he is pushing for early marriages uh, and not only pushing for them, but it's also he and his uh, network have, con- been, have been conducting them, have made sure, well, on one level, they're saying our marriages are much cheaper than the marriages that the typical Hasidic family is going to have to get in debt for. But that's not really the initial, the real central point. The central point is, is that many of these marriages are occurring between teenage children, children that I, I don't know if there's anything under the age of 15, but 15 seems to be where it starts, and 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds and 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 around 17 uh, is already perhaps old for him. And he believes that this is something that's not only saving money, but it's also in a way preserving the sanctity and the holiness of their of their relationships. And he has done this in a way publicly enough that he has earned. Uh, the ire, and now the investigations have begun into what is he about. He has been um, accused of being a cult uh, leader, and uh, I know New York City uh, takes this very seriously because they see this as not only child endangerment, but also a way of almost like uh, child uh, child rape. Uh, Sam, if I given the was was that wrong? Did I was there anything in my um... say the the controversy actually was stoked a little bit earlier by the Leif Tahar sect of Rabbi Hellbrands, who was doing the same thing because mm-hmm. they've evoked the ire of the uh, uh, Canadian authorities about it, and he was actually practicing it um, in, in Israel right, as right, well, right, but right, I think undercurrent. Right, so right. it started there, but it really made the. No, it's, so professionals knew about this much earlier, but with Yoli Roth, it really hit the fan. Uh, Maybe so. In other words, they already had their problems with Leif Tohar. Uh, you're right; he was in Canada. But the reason why he was in Canada because he ran away from wherever he was in Muncie or wherever it was that he was yes. that he was hanging out. So, and, and but then the Guatemalan authorities got after him too for the same thing. But I just want to add so that people don't equate them. I have no evidence that many of the um, really um, seamy aspects of these kinds of arranged marriages arranged marriages which were typical of the Leif Tohar sect uh, have anything to do with the Yoli Roth. Yoli Roth is just 
minors, marrying minors off, whereas Leif Tahar had other kinds of allegations tied to the um, uh, marital arrangements. Yes, I just right. want to put that right. in perspective. No, no, the, 100%. And, you know, we have whatever that uh, Yoyuli is a Breslover and uh, is a Rosh Hashivan Breslov and is a student of, I guess, one of the premier Breslover uh, teachers in the United States and in Eretz Yisrael, uh, Reblazer Shlemeshik, who um, not only was, I remember him as a Magid Shear and giving Shearim in Borough Park, uh, and I was encouraged to go to them and listen to them. He also uh, uh, was, a, a, he immigrated to, immigrated to Eretz Yisrael, where I think in the city of Yavniel, he had a uh, his yeshiva, where other sorts of activities were going on, and the Israeli secular authorities uh, got called in for similar actions of getting young people married um, with some sort of consent uh, by one or two of the parents. And I think the Israelis came to investigate him as well, uh, despite, and I think, you know, one of the things I think we're going to talk about is Reblazer Shlemeshik was um, very much known as an authoritative thinker and someone who had contributed mightily uh, to Hasidic and semi-Kabbalistic thought. And that's part of the reason why, because he's a Breslover Hasid, because it's a Breslover Yeshiva, because he's a student of Reblazer Shlemeshik, when uh, Sam uh, suggested to me, I said, well, I'm going to bring in my friend, uh, Rav Nelson Glick, who is, knows not only about uh, mysticism in general, but specifically about Breslov and about this group and about what might be driving them. So, Nelson, you don't have to introduce yourself to our listeners, but uh, why don't you, uh, um, uh, you know, test your microphone out? Okay. So I'll I'll say a few things about um, Breslov lineage in general, okay? Because it's it's really quite problematic. There is a main line tradition of Breslover teachers of, of, of I don't I don't know if they call them mashpiim or, or or what the what the term is for them but um, unfortunately you know I, I can't even really I can't even really remember any of their names except for let's say uh, Levi Yitzhak Bender who was really really well known but but you you actually have within Breslov children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren of Rabbi Nachman himself and even though they're not Rebbes, they don't have any official titles within within Breslov or Hasidus. They don't can't make any claims to be somebody special because they're an enikle of Rabbi Nachman as opposed to being an enikle of anybody else. But you know, there's a, a, a fundamental central stream of tradition, which today is is located in the main Breslov Shul in Meishorim, which I'm sure since Rabbi Vremel you were uh, learning in the mirror, so you, you certainly must have come across that place. The unfortunately for Breslov, I guess there's no official brand name. Like you know, I cannot go and open up a Chabad house. If I do, I'm gonna you know bad things are gonna happen. Okay, because and because Chabad is a brand, they can they can prosecute you for misusing their misusing their brand. Okay. Um, on the other hand, Breslov is you know seems to be like in the in in the public domain. Anybody can. Op- Anybody can become a Breslover. Anybody can proclaim themselves to be a Breslover. So you have Breslovers that are not exactly Breslovers, and you know, Breslov is kind of struggling right now with all these with all these offshoots, which are causing a lot of trouble because there's some crazy things that, that are that are happening, it's, and some and some very, you know, some very not good things that are happening. 
Okay, so you have, let's say, out of out of Breslovers that uh, that have kind of like branched off. Uh, a big one is Rabbi is uh, Eliezer Berland, who I know some of his Hasidim have been are now detained by the police for murder, going back several years to uh, or going back quite a few years to to the activities of a Mishmeris Tznius that was run by. Rav Berlan's uh, organization, let's say, and and then you, and then you have, have Rabbi Eliezer uh, Sheik who moved to Yavna El and basically took over a Chiloni town in 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 the Galil, and and there's all sorts of you know inheritance controversies going on over there, which are also pretty you know pretty unpleasant, um, and um, and then yeah, did I mention? Yeah, I mentioned, I mentioned, I mentioned Rabbi Berland. So, and, so, I, so and, Nelson, and, and, then, and, then, and then there's, then there's the Nanachs, excuse me, just then, yeah. then there's the Nanachs, which will, you know, run around spray painting Nanach, Nachman, Nachman, and Uman on anything that doesn't, uh, you know, object to being spray painted on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so uh, you know, these are the point that Rav Nelson is making that with Breslov, you can, anyone can take the mantle, even someone from Satmar uh, or wherever he was from. And, and therefore, to clear, I now am a branch of Breslov, and this is what Breslov is about. That might, Nelson, that might be one of the strengths and, you know, I don't know if you call it a weakness. And problems. I mean, it, it you know, it creates problems. No, no, no real Breslov or Chassid likes, walk, you know, going, going, seeing all these, you know, people jumping up and down, up and down on moving van roofs and, and spray painting things. That's, you know, that's not, you know, that's, you know, and, and by the way, so Rabbi, Rav, Rav Sheik is not somebody also that actually grew up within, within Breslov. He's somebody who, who claimed to have, to have learned from, uh, from uh, one of the Breslover, uh, you know, Rabbonim, but uh, that claim has been contested. Okay. okay. So, so, so but, kind of do it yourself, Breslover, perhaps. Yeah, but but right. okay. So 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 I think what this does is, I mean, let's take both of your contributions, which Professor Juni has told us is that the authorities have got their uh, antennas up because of similar Hasidic cult-like figures. What you've told us is, and it's not surprising that it should be Breslov in this case, because Breslov sort of lends itself to that, unlike the rigid sense of succession in the other groups of Chassidus. Right. Let's talk about the heart of why we want to discuss it, which is what Yehli Roth and his Rebbe and others pushed, which was what's wrong with you know, getting you know, these children, so to speak, getting married. We know in Europe, it was not uncommon. We know that it did happen. We know that the uh, bar mitzvah barham would wake up and they'd say mazel tov chasen, and they didn't mean chasen because he could get an aliyah for the Torah. It's because they introduced him to some, you know, 10, 11 year old girl. We know this from the biographies. We know this from the history. We know this. This was what's happening. We know that if we take it back to the time of the Rishonim, especially the Baliatesis already in the beginning of the second period of Kedushan, go to defend the idea of getting these child marriages, these children marriages is uh, happening. And we know that it was happening as part of, uh, of the Renaissance culture as well. All the uh, paintings that we have from that period where we have these young little girls and, and adults, which is even more lurid than at least two little children getting married, right? When you have these, right? So we know that, that, that there's, a, there's a historical um, wreck for this. The question is, what does this mean for today? So what, I'm going to start with you, Sam, because this is, you know, do you see this as 
Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll speak to Nelson about the, uh, the Kabbalistic uh, ideas behind it, but uh, of why he's pushing it. But do you see this as some uh, amount of child rape or some sort of uh, you know, insidious behavior that we need to stamp out? What's your take on the fact that these kids are being married at such an early age? What I want to do first is just unpack the issues here as I hear them um, on the street, so to speak, on the street. You know, on the professional street, this phenomenon comes up about child marriages and people are up in arms. And I just want to express just several tracks of where those people are coming from before I, I pitch in my own point of view. One thing that alarms people is that, oh boy, you're encouraging sexuality between minors. Okay, and um, I'll tell you, the, the whole kids these age aren't fit to constitute a family unit. Now, it's not quite clear whether they, some people are talking about finances, some people are talking about raising children themselves, some people are talking about making decisions independently rather than of their parents. So those are other tracks that are going on here. So there are some other fringe objections being heard by various Hasidim who don't like this Hasidim and that Hasidim. That's fun to get into, but I, I don't think we need to have it here. We want to be more conceptual here. So I just want to address the issue. The first issue in terms of encouraging sexuality between minors, is that ha harmful, is it not harmful? And uh, again, um, I did I've never seen negative effects of um, high school students having sex with each other. I mean, I've seen that the effects of them feeling guilty if they are in a, uh, shall we say, a very totalitarian system, which tells them it's bad and whatever, you're gonna suffer, burn in hell. But just the negative effects of having what we call casual sex or non-meaningful sexuality, non-relationship sexuality, I've not seen any re negative repercussions in terms of the patients I've seen, and I've seen many. Um, what I have seen negative repercussions from are rapes, okay? And legally rape is defined by anybody who has any um, major guy, anybody who's over 18 having sex with the younger one. I think that's a legal concept. Statutory which, rape. Yeah, it, it's a legal concept that makes no sense psychiatrically, so I don't want to get there. But there's no question that rape causes damage to the victim, usually the, the, the women, the, the female one, and that there is a, um, a power implication of setting up or having a sexual relationship between somebody who's much older than the victim, which has some of the equal um, uh, negative effects that rape does. So let's say if, let's say, the sect we talked about, the Leif Tahars, right? So the, the rabbit there had no problem dictating that uh, some minor girl should marry a 45-year-old man whom he just dictated should divorce his wife, okay? And there, 45, and I have this, not so much from Hasidic circles, I have it more from Pakistani and Arab circles, that being set up with a man who's old enough to be a grandfather who then comes in and does things to you that make no sense to you is very overpowering. And the third one is that children who don't understand sexuality, who are put into a situation of sexuality, end up being damaged, not as rape victims, but their whole sense of sexuality becomes um, 
non-functional even when they grow up afterwards. So that's the, just the, 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 um, the rough outline that I wanted to put out there in terms of why people are objecting. And the one very good rejoinder I've heard about the Hasidic circles is that actually these young people are not expected to manage their own home because there's no question that the parents are there managing them and that they're not expected to manage their own finances. They don't earn any money. And they're also not expected to raise their children because it's understood that the older generation raises them. That is my nutshell of where I see this entire issue. Um, let me just say two points to that, uh, Shmuel. The first one is is that although you're correct, um, you know, um, you know, casual sex, uh, the psychological impact of that is different, or is the same, or is isn't uh, is negligible. Let's talk about here. It isn't just casual sex. Here, it's meant to be a consummation of a lifelong uh, unit, right? So it isn't just that they, this is a way for them to get their jollies and do exploration about things that they are interested in. Here, right, the marriage was a way to, and even though you're right, the the the, the parents in the background are going to provide the shoulders uh, financially and emotionally. It's 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 really more than that, right? It's more than just. Uh, you know, high school kids having, you know, experimenting with kissing and hugging. Uh, that's one point. The second point I want to raise, and I know I'm going to get to your rejoinder in a second. Second point is that, um, you know, you say that there isn't, there isn't that uh, much of a negative fallout from teenagers who are active sexually. Um, I remember when I was uh, involved with high school kids uh, and, and as, a, as a mashkiach and as a rebbe and a counselor to them, what I, what I discovered when I would hear from the boys is that there was the, the, the women, the girls, the young girls believed that all the sweet nothings and, and, and the fact that they had allowed themselves that were being uttered by the man, the boys to seduce them, so to speak, or to get them in the mood, and all the uh, the vulnerability that they had shown by allowing themselves to uh, go so far with their boyfriends had made them believe that there was something here more than just experimentation, that this was someone that they loved, this was someone that they were connected to for life. And that was, there was a tremendous dissonance there. And there was an, a, a sense of the girls that they had, that it wasn't just experimentation. It was, it was like real attachment and love that they thought that, that was going to last. So in other words, they were using a, a, a the means that, let me put it in from terms, that God has granted us with to, to, to create relationships forever. We've just been using it as a, as a method of experimentation and many times the girls or sometimes even the boys felt there was going, there's more to it than that. It can't just be a way for us to, to, to discover the pleasures of our body and then walk away. There, there's, you, you can't separate the emotional and, uh, sense and the sense of what the commitment means. So those are my two points back to you on that. I want to come at you like a Mack truck, okay? I have major objections to what you just said. And I wanted to two points because you, you talked about two points. First of all, the idea you say that here you are setting up two kids, they don't know each other, you put them together and say, okay, from now on you are met, stuck for life with each other, you don't even know what the hell the other person is. That is just as true 
for non-minors. When Hasidim, the Hasidim that I know, my first cousins, we're not going very far away, set up this 19-year-old guy with an 18-year-old girl who've never had a chance to speak one word and they're given a half hour or 20 minutes or even three hours saying, okay, from now on, you're a couple. That's the same problem as for minors. Otodavar. Second point, you talk about the fact that these girls who are 12 years old, 14 years old, let themselves be seduced and they believe all the sweet nothings and it comes out to be garbage. I have a secret to you. It's true also for the person who first experiences romance at age 18, 19, or 20. They also believe that their first sexual encounter is wow, and this spells whatever bliss, and you really believe everything the guy's saying, and all he really wants is to have a good time. So that disappointment is the same. So don't you guys start pulling out the minor card as an argument here, because it's exactly the same situation. I'm sorry for being so excited, but I just finished. The I'm happy you're so excited because I'm going to okay. get into my I'm going to get into my Mack truck and and, okay. and, 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 and and push back because the 21 year old who it might be his first time or not, but at least he has the wherewithal to say, OK, we will get married. OK, I'm not just using you, whereas we know the 15 year old, especially in in the secular society, it's not going to lead to a marriage. All it is. And yet they are using the language of the language of intense, deep love that we know is the glue that cements a marriage together. In other words, they're using this 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 powerful option, this powerful bonding experience, the sexual experience of what it, of, and the endorphins and and the other things that are released, the uh, the iso, the the, uh, the the what is it the the isotocin what is it that that is is released there? Not going to help you in your argument. Yes, I understand you. But go right, ahead. right. So that stuff is that stuff is so powerful. That it's such a powerful drug that it should be reserved for when you can actually act upon it and cement it, not for some fourteen. 15 year old that's basically play acting and 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 still just using that i think that's really the objection nelson why don't you uh we got the two mac trucks yeah. what's you what would you say about this okay so i'll i'll just uh you know speak from i do think it i do think it isn't always that a you know a a young guy seduces a woman into doing something that she doesn't want to do um there was you know plenty of happy casual sex going on amongst amongst teenagers admittedly you know it's like i mean it's like anything else you have to be where you have to be wary of the bad apples and there and uh, part of the problem with having children engage in, in in these kind of relationships is that is that yeah to some to some extent you know the bad apples will take advantage of uh, of vulnerable people and that is extremely extremely painful so that needs you know that's that's a reason, in a sense, why to clamp down on the whole on the whole, um, you know, um, teen sex um, thing. But um, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes it came out well. Sometimes uh, you know, there was boyfriend and girlfriend, and they didn't think that they were going to be together for forever and ever. But it was you know, it was apparently very very gratifying while it lasted. And you know, if if the idea of marrying off children as teenagers was to let teenagers develop boyfriend girlfriend preferences and then say okay so instead of doing it by let's make a mitzvah out of it and let's give a of a kiddushin 
you know, and and uh, and and let's say it doesn't work out, so we can write a, we can write a get, and you guys can you know be on your way. It I don't I don't think that that would be uh, and, okay. We know that there's still uh, although it's become more prevalent and common and accepted. Is that part of Yehli Roth's? Um, uh, no, 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 no. And that's, it, and we that's, say we say we're gonna we're yeah. gonna, and, and we're gonna have getting ready, and you know what? Try this at least this way. You can be sexually active in a halachic manner, and if it turns out that there's a lack of compatibility and things aren't going, we, we have the masader get ready in the back room, and we'll go on to the next marriage. Is, is that are the you, attitude? Are, yeah, but no, but that's not, but that's not the attitude, and I, I think that's really where the problem, where the problem was, because I, I did say you know, if this was the situation. But the situation is really that, that you have that you have people that don't know anything about anything. And they're being railroaded into into a sexual relationship before anybody seems to be ready for it, and and um, and it's a one way street. You know, no one's no one's thinking of divorce. And the babies are coming. You know, the babies are going to come at the age of uh, at sixteen or seventeen, which is also probably not something that your average uh, average young couple is is ready for. Now, I, you know, listen. Back then was back then. People were people grew up more quickly, as 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 we as we all know. You know, current uh, you know current uh, maturation for for uh, teens goes well past generally past into the twenties before you even even know how to you know how to love somebody else reasonably and how to care for somebody else and how to care for a child. And so you know, it's the it's like I said, if if we were talking about children that were in you know that were that were curious that wanted it that were that were looking for you know that were looking for relationships or looking for sexuality at that at that age you know i wouldn't see that there's any great difference between that and and any other high school as a matter of fact it would be more supervised it'd be more structured you know so I, I could i could see that i could see that reasonably happening but the when you take people that don't know a thing about anything and you throw them together in a room and you say now me Okay, you know that really is that is that is damaging, and I I know from I know from people who have been through it. Okay, that it, it's a very very damaging and and humiliating and 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 sometimes it is practically practically rape. It's rape l'shem shemaim. You know they go to the girl and say, "Listen, your job is to submit to this, and your job is any kind of sensitivity here." No, you know. So I don't I don't. I don't know what uh, what Yoeli Roth is doing. Okay, Sam, I, don't, I don't know what his what his Sam. Um... What, what, Sam, what's your response here? To, uh, I, to, to I, I have a, I have a response, which is again a Mac truck. But I just wanted to comment that Nussen's comments apply very well to putting together just like a twenty and nineteen year old as well. There's, it's not necessarily an argument against Katinim, against the Yoli Roth's arrangements. It's any arranged marriage that occurs in the Hasidish world. But I want to leave that to the side and I want to just rip off the curtain around the elephant in the room because we're talking about Hasidim and I have to be honest with you, okay? I know these guys as patients, okay? The real driving force here is not any of the stuff you talked about. There's a boogeyman called masturbation. If a guy masturbates in Hasidic folklore, fiction, craziness, or gospel, I don't know what to call it, and I don't mean to step on any of your rabbinic or Kabbalistic toes over here, but I can tell you I'm angry about it from a psychiatric point of view. Hasidic kids feel, and their mentors believe it, that the main commandment in the Torah 
is one that's not even listed, and that's against masturbating. In fact, they will tell you, and they will quote nice sources, that it's better to have sex with a married woman who's not yours than to masturbate. And it's worse, and I'm getting this from kids, okay? It's worse, it's, you should violate every single of the 630 mitzvahs and averis and their abundance that exist rather than masturbate. And what drives these people here is not because they're social philosophers or architects of relationships. What drives them is that we have to prevent the biggest tragedy of the world, which is what caused, by the way, other Mauritian, Chava, the Holocaust, the Mabel, it caused everything. And that is because some poor dude masturbated somewhere. So if they can get this guy to get a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and every time instead of masturbating, he has sex with his wife, you have prevented the world from getting destroyed. And what, what will happen to this kid's psychological adjustment, social adjustment? What will happen to this girl's mentality? It hardly matters when you're dealing with such an issue that upturns the whole world. So because I'm, I'm excited about it because I find this to be craziness from the psychiatrist perspective. From my little knowledge of, of Talmud, I find it to be really marginal as well. I remember the Satmar Rebbe's um, um, seven weeks in a row about the hate how you do wouldn't mention it but just this sin this horrible sin and he would start crying and then all the chastirim in the dark would start crying as well about masturbation not about the holocaust they were crying okay this is the boogeyman this is the elephant that's driving this train am i so upset about the train i don't know but i'm upset about the boogeyman so, I, so, so in well, other words, is, is, you know, people misinterpret Breslov a lot, and they think that Rabbi Nachman was like a you know crazy fanatical type, and and Rabbi Nachman was actually very reasonable and and uh, very humane and and you know quite normal in in his approach, and and he was he was dealing with some people that were full of with full of you know self recrimination and guilt and 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 um and um self reproach. You know, and his his um, his approach to that was, you know, take it easy, don't give up, everything's going to be okay. You have a problem, talk to Kaddish Baruch Hu. and and he actually tried to provide like the the ultimate antidote to to uh, to masturbatory guilt is his tikkun akloli. You know, no matter what you do, no matter how far you've fallen, I give you a promise. You go to the mikveh, you give it, you know, you give a you give a kopek to tzedaka, and you say my tikkun akloli, which is takes about uh, what. 15 minutes if you say it slowly and and all is forgiven just keep on you know keep on going straight ahead right so rabbi nachman was was very much a a balancing kind of kind of personality and he, he wasn't he wasn't the he wasn't this um depressive um tortured saint that uh, that people seem to think that he was you know and you know, he went through a phase in his younger years when he was when he was very aesthetically inclined, and then then in his older years he was tortured. But he he was dying of tuberculosis after he killed his wife and some of his kids. I mean, so really, got to give the you know cut the guy a little bit of slack on 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 that point. But so it it is it is ironic that this comes out of Breslov. I think the I think the desire to to marry children off as young as possible and to protect them from any kind of sexually arousing thought or image or you know that's that's common that's common to all chasiduyot i and i i don't know why we don't have this problem in 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 other groups as well or maybe we do and they just you know they're much, they're better at keeping it all under wraps because they're not they're not you know they're not so 
flamboyant about about uh, about what they're doing. You know, but I'll call upon him. I I, I agree completely with um, with um, Shmuel that um, you know what happens when you put two twenty-year-old, you know, two twenty-year-old Hasidim, a, a man and a woman together in a room and tell them yet mismati and demaise. You know, that's also that's also tragic. There's so much misunderstanding and so much, you know, pain involved in that experience. That uh, that. You know, and of course, you don't want to prepare them for anything, because if you prepare them, then you're then you're igniting ideas that you don't want them to have, right? So everything I, I think, everything really is focused on on trying to control any possibility of shvichazer levatola, and the the worst thing about this is really, well, one of the one of the one of the really bad things that can go wrong is the woman comes to see herself as being enslaved. To her husband's sexual needs, because if I don't give him my body to use, okay, then he is going to end up, you know, um, with shvichazera levatola, and then I'm going to be guilty for all of the all the demon babies that are that are born into the cosmos that will turn around and create more holocausts. So and so these these are very these are very destructive to things to relationships. The problem is theologically, in a in a way. Okay, so like, what's the alternative to this? You know, how do you work with the text? How do you understand? How do you understand the 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 concepts that you can actually humanize this and 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 make it better? And I don't necessarily have all all the answers uh, on, you, you, on that point. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to Sam's response here in a second. But again, you mentioned the texts, and we know the texts are there, whether they're Zoharic or post-Zoharic that talk about this chet ha as destruction and as, as bringing the demons and things. And, and, and we also know that the Alter Rebbe in Tanya and other places indicates how um, that, it, that there is a way to learn these things in a non-literal fashion, right? That's one of the things the Alter Rebbe, I think, uh, accomplished, Schneer Zalman, that um, to, uh, in a way, not to see this as uh, the an avera of of ritzicha, and not to think that by by engaging in masturbatory uh, act, activity that you've actually killed uh, human beings and you are a murderer and you should hang your head. I think the Alter Rebbe writes about this that there is tshuva, right? This is what the in the Gerus yeah. tshuva because if you look in the Zohar and other places, it sounds like there's no tshuva even shy. No tshuva, that. no tshuva for this. Good. So so I think there there is I think chesidus. Although, you know, Sam and others might say, look, you know, you, you've got this crazy mentality, really within Chassidus itself, especially from the Alter Rebbe on, there was, and I'm sure Kutsk, although I can't tell you for sure because the, the writing isn't there, I know that they didn't, they did, they de-emphasized this and they stressed the learning Torah and they basically pushed this to the side in a way where it didn't dominate to the point that, that that it turned people into these, you know, these scared automatons. Uh, Sam, what did you want to uh, say on this? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to make a couple. I agree with almost everything you guys are saying, and I just wanted to. Okay, let, let me just build on something. Um, I do agree that people like Yoli Roth and Breslov in general, especially with the Tikkun Akloli, are more open-minded than the other Hasidim because they see it as an issue and say, "How can we solve this?" The other Hasidism, by the way, I get just as many patients from them, but the other Hasidism are basically the solution, like you mentioned of cuts, but the Rabbi Kivalev just implied, is that you 
choke it off, you almost terrorize it off. In Gur, for instance, which is a very large Hasidus in Israel, the solution is you're not going to have a thought about masturbating because we will flood you with medications, forced medications. If you want to stay yeshiva, you get, and, and the other thing is you just knock the hell out of the entire concept and saying, it doesn't happen, not by us. It's just like the Arabs are very proud and telling me there are no Arab homosexuals. The same way there are no Hasidic kids with, with uh, sexual problems, it just doesn't exist. So that's one approach. And I have to say, yes, Yoeli is more innovative and their Nachman is much more insightful saying it's there, let's deal with it and let's not let it destroy people. I have another comment, which I just have to say, personally, okay? I mean, the way my podcast here started was standing between two worlds and trying to show how I resolve issues between these two. When it comes to masturbation, I cannot resolve it with my, the fact that I am scientifically trained, okay? Nobody wastes any seed ever. You produce millions of eggs every day, and after a couple of days, they die, okay? So the idea of wasting can be defined perhaps as making sure the seeds get out of the tubes and then make it out into the open air. But you have done nothing in terms of wasting. So when you talk to me about wasting, it's like saying you wasted something that is not going to be there anyway. And you're wasting it in what way? How is it better if it dies within here or there? So I have no way of reconciling those issues. And if I had to do a lecture on standing in two, two worlds, it would be standing in one world. I can't do it unless I say, okay, I know what happened until the scientists came. I'm going to try to boil down the, the Kabbalistical attitude here very, very succinctly and say that, you know, each one of us has a, a certain divine light that is within us. Okay. And when you have, when you have sex and, when you're bringing children into the world, okay, it's not just the genetic material that, that flows between one person and another in pregnancy that results. There's also something of that divine light, which also goes, because you're, you're creating another human being with a, with, a, with a soul, with a connection to God, okay? So the issue here is, is, that, is that divine light needs to be, needs to be protected. It needs to be encompassed in, a, in the proper framework and you know essentially the proper framework for all divine light is a certain realm which the mekubalim call olam hatzilut but we are ourselves extensions of olam hatzilut down here in in this world so we are you know a, a jewish couple is a receptacle for for this for this light and you know you don't want it crossing the threshold and leaking out into the rest of the world because that both you know, it, it, it corrupts the divine light itself, and it also corrupts the world, right? And you create a world where there's, where there's um, let's say, aberrant forms of spirituality, okay? If it's, if it's, uh, if it's you know, paganism or, or Catholicism or, or anything, you know, anything else that comes out of the leakage, so to speak, of, of, uh, of divine energy out into the world. And therefore, the... You know the important thing is that the that the divine light be properly contained, and it can only be properly contained in my wife, whom Hashem has given me with chupav kiddushin, and and all the rest of that stuff. Right. Um, 
so obviously masturbation seems to be something that's that's completely antithetical to uh, antithetical to that and would be therefore be very destructive both both to you know both to the spiritual universe that we inhabit as, as well as the material universe that is around us that's where that's where the idea comes from and and ashray ish or isha that never masturbated in their lives, that only had sex with each other, and the, that the divine light has always been contained. Now, once once the divine light is contained properly, at, at a certain point, it no longer really matters. And at least I, at least the way that I'm looking at it, no longer matters what happens to the g- genetic substance. I mean, it all leaks out in the end anyway. It all rots. I mean, even even everybody everybody knows that. Even Kazal knew that. You know, Zera rots after after however however much time. Okay, but that's you know, but that's not a problem because the 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 light aspect of it has been contained in the spiritual matrix that is original to it. Okay, so and and similarly, you know, you can if even if you're having sex with a with a with a wife that is no longer fertile, like such as in my case, you know, or or the vessel in place. That contains the light and doesn't and doesn't let it doesn't let it leak out because it's being used within the context of mitzvat ona. It's being used within the context of a man woman who have you know who are linked together in holiness. Okay, so so that's in nida in the beginning of the second parak. I know you're from biyad and there is this idea. The, 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 it does make a connection between ritzicha and ifa biyad. It isn't just the kabbalah that does this. It is a gemara mafurish. Uh, Rabbi Yona and Shari Chuva writing as a halachist, uh, you know, puts it in there as one of the great Averas uh, that you have to be worried about. So it isn't just the Kabbalists that are crazy. So I think one thing you have to realize is that it's, it, it, yes, it is that Sam is right. The preciousness of the seed and what it means. But I think also what was behind it of the consternation was the fantasy intensity element that brings it about. In other words, this sort of, uh, 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 let me put it in in halachic terms. We know that when someone uh, comes to Bezdin to give edus, we we trust that on a level to kill a person based on that. Right now, if I happen to be talking to you like in a podcast interview, and I happen to have a conversation, and I say something, even though it sounds true, that doesn't mean anything. That's just a conversation. We believe we have the ability. The Torah believes that we have the ability, and God believes in us, that to actually summon up a certain incredible amount of seriousness of what we're saying, and it could actually impact the death of another human being. In the same way, we could actually make a shvua and create something which is benign, and, and we can make it oser minatora to eat, and we're going to give the person, we're going to give the guy corporal punishment because of the seriousness, because of the intensity of what you said. We believe in the power, the Torah does, halakhically, believes in the power of, of human intensity and rising beyond to a place where it becomes so serious that it actually affects us, and we have to, we have to be astounded by that. Now, again, many times that's the intensity that a person that makes the difference between a, a champion uh, runner and, and, and the guy who gets the silver medal. But that intensity is really on display in the act of sex 
as well, and in, in an act of masturbation, which is there is an intensity of, of, of thought. There is such a pushing. There's, there's a place that you're going that is gr almost greater than your average uh, conversation. And I think that's what, the, what was behind it. You, how dare you use that if it's not going to be used? That's the gift that God gave us to connect to the beyond. When, when Nussan, when you speak about procreation, we're speaking in terms of being godlike. That's really the, the 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 mentality. In other words, these that type of fantasy world that results in that organ. And therefore, when you sort of like tap into that, you are you are playing with that deadly with that fire, not deadly fire, that ultra creative fire that's given to us to be as as Adam and Chava were told by the Nachash to be Borei Olamas to create worlds. Because that you have to admit, when, even when you see it, it's, it's almost like the highest level of human experience and feeling because it's beyond what normal conversation, normal interaction is. And therefore, that's why the, the masturbation isn't as bad as, oh, something leaked out. It's the willingness to use that power. That's, I think, really what's behind it. Again, uh, and I think that's something which... which, which a lot of major points, but I have to throw one thing in there from totally left field, okay? And that is a Marxist interpretation that I've heard from kids, okay? And here is how it goes. This whole thing is a concoction by these guys who want to control kids. They made it all up. If it's so important, why doesn't the Torah list it? The Torah lists all kinds of little things about forgetting two sheaves of leaves and planting something for three years. So if this is such a big sin, why doesn't it say anyway? Why is it up to that guy in fourth grade to start threatening me about what I do and what I don't do? I think, and, and I'm getting this from acting out kids, admittedly, but it's a nice Marxist theory that I just have to put into the mix. Okay, they think it's baloney. It's a lie. It doesn't say anywhere. Nobody okay. said that just because oh no, Sam, I'm bad. Okay, so Sam, where does it say in the Torah that Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment? And you, right, right, where does right, it say right, in the Torah? Right, okay. Where does it say in the Torah? Where does it say that in the Torah? Where does it say in the Torah that Shavuos oh. is the day that the Torah was given? I, I, I got you, but nobody will tell you that Shavuos, the day the Torah was given, is so important that we have to terrorize kids about it. And here, this guy is knocking the hell out One of me. One second, we terrorize kids if they don't stay up, if they don't, and, and we will lambaste them for, for not <laughs> studying, right? We're going to say, you don't you don't care about truths. It's the day the Torah was given. Hey, hey, equivalent to what we do to the masturbators, give me a break. Ask one of these guys in fourth grade whether he'd rather have his kids sleep through Rosh Hashanah or Shavuos or masturbate. Come on. But anyway, you should just know a number of kids and adults see this as baloney. It's a Marxist plot in order to keep the Rebbe's rich, whatever it is. Okay? It's a night. I'm just saying, most people don't get to hear this. I hear it and I chuckle inside. Hopefully, not. It's, not, it's cute. You know, you come up with a theory like that. I just felt I had to throw that in. I have nothing to add. You guys okay. have been marvelous in, in treating so, this. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw in one thing that might be might be helpful, and that is that you know perhaps this might be an answer for for the you know for the the heart of the issue as far as as far as teenagers and adolescents and and other people find like you know for instance people in prison 
who just don't have any sexual outlet and all the all the people are really in quite a bit of trouble because you know it's very it's it's a very painful situation and that would be to say that you know everything that the Mukubalim said about who we are we are you know drawing down this divine light from the world of Atsilus and we have to view ourselves as we as we are the extension of the world of Atsilus in this world you know it, once you once you understand that the 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 problem here is not with the with the physical substance it's what it's with the it's with the divine light that the physical substance seems to seems to represent okay so if you're in a position where you have no outlet where you know where you where where you you have nobody to share it with so Mamela, you know, you're not in Oila Matzilus at that at that point. You don't have a you know, you don't really have a shaykhus to it. You don't have a you don't have a shaykhus to all this, this this divine light. And and therefore for somebody who simply isn't there, the issue is no longer is no longer relevant. The issue becomes relevant for people who actually have achieved a certain kind of uh, a, cer a certain kind of spiritual self-awareness. It's it's relevant for people who are married. Okay, and who are who are experiencing the kind of things that, let's say, Robert Ramel, you were talking about as well. Um, but if you're just, you know, some some miserable person who's 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 lonely and 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 you're starting to go crazy because you can't even think straight anymore, um, you know, maybe maybe you're just not not in that parsha where because of you, divine light is uh, is is. And forgive me for using word leakage, but it's you know it's appropriate in a way. It's a unique for the chitzayim. You know, it's the 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 other side um, gets to you know gets to absorb this energy and and you're, and you're saying we, you're and saying Nelson, we should promote a, to, to speak in halachic terms. We should promote heterim for people, and we should in other words, rabbanim should have the courage to. I would like to. I would like to just change your word. Lassifer. They should, no, okay. that's a fair. In other words, they they, they should they should uh, understand it and and well again, unfortunately, Sam, we live in such a legalistic world, this world that I'm standing in. Then unless you're going to hear and therefore it, it doesn't have the same madrig of Isser, and it's definitely we know that the the Rabbani Shalom will be machaper you or something like that, right? Is that maybe yeah a, something with something well something like that that would be that would be one way of presenting it. I mean, also I'll I was. I understand, and this is maybe this is just purely my own my own understanding of it. Maybe I'm wrong. I know, but you, you'll you'll tell me because you're the the greater halachic mind here. <laughs> I think, <laughs> and 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 that is that that depending on, you know, the the kabbalistical attitude towards the problem of masturbation is. I, I just described it, but that's not necessarily the, the plain halacha. My understanding of plain halacha is that that essentially masturbation is kind of a bittel mitzvah asay. I mean, you know, you have this sperm, which is which is a cheftas shol mitzvah, and you have this, and, and you have this sexual sexual organ, which is also a a cheftas shol mitzvah, and you're supposed to use these cheftas in a way which is accomplishing the mitzvah, you know. And if and if you're not accomplishing fertilization as the mitzvah, then you're accomplishing aina as, as as the mitzvah. And that's also and that's also legitimate. But if you're not in a if you're not in a situation where you have a mitzvah, because look, you're too young to get married. Please don't get married. You're too young. You're too immature. You're going to make a mess of things. You're going to make you're going to make somebody else's life miserable and your life miserable. Please do not get married, right? And I mean, at that at that point, yeah, I think that one can legitimately say that a person is potter from priyoravia. So if he's potter from priyoravia, he doesn't have a chavtashal mitzvah, you know. So then, so then, any let's say reasonable usage of 
of sperm uh, could become could become thinkable. Oh, okay. So in the sense what, what, that in the in the, in the and by and by the way, there's this this famous line from I believe Sefer Acharedim that that are you allowed to be shayfich zer levatola in order to in order to stop yourself from having sex with somebody? His answer is yes, which means that shayfich zer levatola obviously is not the is not the worst aver in the world because it's better than having sex with somebody that you're not allowed, not allowed to have sex with. So even even in even in this respect, we can we can conceive of shvicha zer levatola is not necessarily levatola if you're doing it for a good reason. If it has no, a no, purpose, Nelson, you, you Nelson, you okay. put on that you put on a very uh, strong halachic hat, and I don't think I could have said it better. I will give uh, a little source. Okay, one one last one one last light of, of Rabbi Tenler's death. I think Rabbi Shaf Feinstein was really out there uh, promoting a much more halachic perspective. And you're correct in terms of a couple that the person needs to somehow figure out how, uh, you know, it's in order to check the seed, in order to see uh, his motility, that that's not considered being Maitzi Zerul Batola. Also, by the way, Rav Moshe allowed uh, in terms of a couple getting to know each other, in terms of, 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 uh, of foreplay. Even though the foreplay, right. even though I mean, actually, not, I, I say I say right, not because I know that Ramosha said it or wrote it, <laughs> because right. it's a very good example. Right. Yeah. In other words, no, it's for again. You have a couple that's getting to know each other, but you know that the foreplay is going to lead the the, the male to premature ejaculation. Ramosha says again that that's not a problem because this is the means for them to eventually be able to have a family and children. And this again is a much more, and I and I think I, I love the way you said it. It's 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 view. It's 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 not, uh, you know, like 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 Sam was saying, you know, saying that these sources are are made up, but rather putting them, putting a halachic clamp on them and a directive to say yes. It's it's and therefore, if it if it can be in the service of halacha, it could go even further. What you're saying is really even more radical because we know. Uh, Shmuel, I've mentioned this to you before, and, and, and others have talked about this as well. That, for for example, um, you know, the uh, the hayra, supposedly of the briskerov, that a person who is a homosexual does not have the mitzvah pruervu. That is what the briskerov uh, had said. That it, that the, the, it, it's not shayach that the rabbi Shalom could give a mitzvah for someone who doesn't have that desire, Peru or Vu, and the desire to procreate are really melded as one. God actually took this biological uh, imperative and really laced it and, and created a mitzvah out of it. That's why it's a bracha and a mitzvah at the same time. So the briskarov said, if you have someone who doesn't have that uh, natural desire for women to procreate, he doesn't have the mitzvah Peru or Vu. What I think, Nelson, what you are suggesting is that maybe, therefore, the person doesn't have the Aveira, so to speak, of 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 the Maitzi Zerilavatola then, right? That that would be yeah, that would be the suggestion. I would also I would also point out sometimes that listen, maintaining your own sanity is also a mitzvah. You know, let's be let's be upfront, okay? And and um, and keeping yourself from doing worse averas, like if you if you know if somebody if somebody can masturbate another perspective. A little bit of what the outrage is about, and maybe you know what 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 has been behind it, and, and hopefully enlighten people in a way that uh, we can de- we can have relationships that are more open, honest, uh, and fulfilling, and 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 really in a way that lead to true shalom bias, true understanding with each other. That's about it, my friends, uh, for standing in two worlds, and some of my best friends are Kabbalists. We will uh, maybe do this again. I don't know this mashup. 
<laughs> I, it definitely was one of the more, it definitely, I think, was one of the more interesting mashups that we've had. Um, I think it was rated, I don't know if it was triple X or, uh, or what. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 